Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self-mastery. Our guests today are the founders of BlackFacts.com, founded in 1997 as the world's first online Black history encyclopedia. BlackFacts.com started as a passion project of a couple of Black technologists and online pioneers who 20 years later converted it into an innovative tech business that offers daily Black history and current news from across the diaspora to hundreds of thousands of websites, social media, and affiliates. Black Facts serves over 500,000 Black history and news articles and 650 original videos on the Black Facts site. It is the longest running and number one site for Black history, facts, and information. It is essentially the Black Wikipedia. Let's welcome today the founders of BlackFacts.com, Mr. Dale Dowdy and Ken Granderson to the program. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. How are we doing today? Very good. Thank you so much. Do, doing all right. Though I'm in, I am in a restaurant, so I'm going to be staying on mute most of the time. This is Ken. <laughs> yes, sir. We got the authentic New York background with Ken representing from BK. Uh, thank you guys for coming through to the program, man, and um, definitely appreciate all of the work that you have done. I've you know, been on the website a few times. My daughter's been on there. Uh, you know, I know young folks that I put on that have been on there, and it's just a wealth of information, man. It's just nonstop information. And, you know, thank you guys for all that work that you're doing because we definitely need that. Listen, you know, we have always felt that our history and our stories are important. But what was just as important was us being in control of the narrative. You know, all too often, we don't get to control our stories. You know, so public school books are written out of Texas. And they're doing a great job of historical erasure, <laughs> changing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> changing what they want to tell, you know, that they don't want to be embarrassed by their kids to know that slavery did actually exist. And yes, that, you know, that some of your descendants, you know, <laughs> were part of that. Um, because we control all the technology, it is coded and controlled 100% by black technologists that that allows us to not be concerned when other people want to tell lies or yeah. want to, you know, hide that history, you know, soft shoe it. And it's not because we are anti anyone. We are just pro ourselves. And we feel that it is important that we have our stories to share and control that. And you, you know, what's so interesting about that, Dale, is that so much of what you just said is such a new concern and consideration. When we started Black Facts in 1997, that was the year that Black Americans started going online in large numbers for the first time. And as we are both Black technologists at our own technology companies, and had been on the internet already, we had actually put Boston's Black neighborhoods online the previous year. You know, so we lived online and we understood the, the, the power. And so the initial impetus of Black Facts was to try to make sure that when Black people showed up online, that they would see ourselves reflected in this thing that was then brand new. But fast forward 25 years later, and, you know, 
because of the whole historical erasure thing, yeah, we are, we are, you know, one of the few places where, you know, where we are in total control of our message, we'll continue to stand up and make sure that our stories are told in our own words, you know, using technology that doesn't matter what happens in Silicon Valley or, you know, what Mr. Zuckerberg does or whatever, because we created it, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And we run it. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Super. That last part, super important. And um, just combating, like you guys said, the erasure, like, or the inserts that this was uh, voluntary, you know, this was indentured servants that we were dealing with, not slaves, you know, they agreed to this, you know, we were oh, helping oh, those them. Barbecues. <laughs> they were barbecues. Listen, that, that, them, that's them. a soft shoe in, in Georgia. <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. They're talking about the slaves having barbecues with the owners and everyone having a grand old time. <laughs> And I'm like, what? <laughs> that is not how it happened, you know. And, and and it is it is unfortunate because the change in the story and in the message then is what's communicated to our youth. So then they don't understand why their parents are feeling the way that they do, and they don't understand some of the subliminal messaging that is occurring. And, and when they go into the real world and have to deal with racism on a larger scale or implicit bias, they have no idea because they, what are you talking about? You know, mm. they, these stories, they, slavery was something that didn't really exist mm. according to some history books because they never talk about it. And it's not that we want to harp on slavery, the story itself. There's so much that we achieved, you know, as, as we went to the reconstruction era. You know, and, 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 you know, and, and the Harlem Renaissance and, and the Black Power Movement. There's so many powerful and positive stories that reflect our ability to overcome the challenges that were out there that are not being told because there were no challenges. So what's there to overcome? Yeah, they were having barbecues. I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> but like, exactly. Like, even like today, you know, one of our features is, what we call the Black Facts Minute. We've got a Black History video for every day of the year. You know, and today mm -hmm. is the birthday of the late Reginald Lewis, who was America's, uh, well, I guess maybe the world's first Black billionaire. You know, and he, Harvard Business School guy, who was well known for writing this book, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? Mm -hmm. Most people don't know about him. You know, and this, this is, you know, this is, he's recent history. So, Dale and I are, you know, we're, we're kind of up in years compared to a lot of folks. So we've been around long enough to see how folks have been written out of the picture. You know, Malcolm X, for example, he's hardly spoken about, but I've seen him described as a civil rights leader. In reality, he was a separatist. Mm. He was not a civil rights leader. He was not mm. okay with sitting down. He wanted Black folks to stand up and, you know, based on his you know, religious teachings never be the aggressor. But he said, but if there's going to be a funeral uptown, there's going to be one downtown too. Mm. And so, you know, he was <laughs> living, he was living in the, in the same, on the same basis as it, um, the slogan of New Hampshire, live free or die. Mm. Or, you know, give me liberty or give me death. Yeah, right? when, when some people say, uh, yeah, I'm saying when some people say that, it's they're considered patriots. But when, 
other folks say th- the same thing, they're militants. <laughs> or, or as one of my young guys in the past said that their teacher taught them that Malcolm X was a terrorist. So we can go there too. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? Yeah. And I say, you know, yeah, terrorists have body counts. Mm. Hate teachers have body counts. <laughs> you know, Nation of Islam may say things that a lot of folks don't like, but they don't have no body count. So That's if you if you want to say that they're teaching hate, they need clearly need to get a different job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. It's so interesting, too, like just the the, the differences in history, like when you're learning history, because you have people like groups like the Weather Underground that were actually bombing government buildings. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and then, like, if you fast forward years later, these guys are professors in colleges and doing all type of other things that nobody even talks about, you know? Exactly. Well, because, of course, they were just part of us, you know? America was started by revolutionaries, you know? Right. I mean, <laughs> You know, that gets back to the whole idea that history is always written by the conquerors. And mm. so they change history to change the narrative to, to tell the story that they want to tell. You know, when we talk about Malcolm X, we have talked to other black people who work at companies and we say we have videos about black history and they said, well, you can't mention Malcolm X. Wow. I thought, I thought Malcolm and, X was you know, at that point, the conversation is over for us because we're like, well, we don't want your dollars because Malcolm X didn't kill anybody. Mm. He just stood up for us, you know, being standing up for ourselves. And yet there are companies that do not want a video that tells Malcolm X's story. Yeah. That is uh, definitely something to think about. And just the power that you guys have being owners and able to not have somebody say, well, you got to do it without Malcolm X. You know, you get to make the decision that, you know what, this is my company. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And if there's no Malcolm X, there's no us. So kudos to you guys for just having that ability, man, to to be able to do that. And, and you know what? Thank you. At the same time, you know, we we really hope that other folks will recognize that, you know, you don't have to ask permission if you're the boss. And, you know, we walk around, we're technologists. Again, we are, you know, disclaimer, right? We are not teachers and we're not, we're not playing teachers on the internet. <laughs> you know, we're not professors. We're tech guys who understand how to use technology to create different kind of business kind of applications and whatever. And so we said, look, let's do this. Other people, there's tens of thousands of folks in the industry that could have done the same thing. We hope that more of us recognize the power that we have based on the knowledge that we have developed because of the giants whose shoulders we all stand on. And hopefully more of us can start thinking in our various fields of endeavor, how can I use this to push the ball forward? to move black folks forward because yes, yeah, February is Black History Month and we all love to look back, look back, look back, but what about the future? Brothers like Malcolm, you know, Martin are gone, so maybe it's time for us to be our own Malcolms and Martins by using the skills, the, the wealth that we have, you know, the, the knowledge we have in just part-time, we ain't saying quit your job, 
you know, devote your life to, to, to pushing black folks forward. That, that, that is a hard road that is only, you know, only a few need to be on that because it, it always comes with the cost. We ain't saying that. What we are suggesting is maybe you can do a little something. Maybe you can open a door. You know, maybe you can help a young person see what you do for your job every day. They can't even imagine black people do. I'm talking to you lawyers. I'm talking to you, you know, to a lot of you doctors. You know, I mean, I mean it's so easy sometimes. 90% is just showing up in, in, their, in their awareness to say, yeah, yeah, this is me. This is what I do. Because you can't unsee things and you can't un. Un remember that you met someone who looks like you, who you might relate to, who's doing things that you didn't realize that were possibilities for you. Agreed, man. Agreed. And I think it's super important that you guys are tech guys. And uh, usually, you know, with, with, with technology, people don't, you know, we usually don't think about owning our technology companies. We're usually like, well, you know, I'll, maybe I'll get a job with Apple at some point or Samsung or, you know, whatever, you know, technology company, Tesla, whatever's on the rise, I'll get a job with them and, you know, make my hundred thousand K, you know, hundred K or whatever. But just like you guys mentioned, the power of, you know, being the owner is just super important and dictating how you go about, you know, building, you know, what it is that you want to build. So I think that is super important for us. You know, not saying there's nothing wrong with working at those companies, but definitely seeing ourselves in a position where we can own own it and be able to distribute it to folks that look like us that usually don't get that type of information and technology. So super important. Um, and by the saying that you guys are actually, you know, part of Black history, you're making Black history and you've been doing this for a long time. So I kind of wanted to get into your stories and how you guys came up and how you ran into, you know, this thing called technology and how things came about with Black Facts. So uh, we'll we'll go with uh you know Ken first. So you could if you could tell us you know growing up your childhood and some of the influences you had that kind of got you to the path that you're at now. Okay, well, you know I think probably one of the best decisions that I ever made was deciding to you know be born into a home where I was able to ask questions and where education was valued. That's a sarcastic comment because, you know, one of my slogans on my previous company, Inner City Software, was Brains in the Hood, you know, and, and that was obviously a, you know, play on boys in the hood. But, you know, the, one of the things I used to say is that there's a lot of incredibly intelligent young folks in hoods like where I grew up, the neighborhood formerly known as Do or Die Bed-Stuy. Um, now it's a new and improved Bed-Stuy, but... Um, you know, I happened to be born in a home where my dad built a bookcase full of books. I don't think he read most of them, but, he, you know, in the living room, instead of being in a home that was wall-to-wall -wall records or CDs <laughs> or DVDs, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I was exposed to learning at an early age. And, you know, and um, so long story short, you know, I, I ended up through a sequence of, you know, of fortunate events, you know, being able to, um, you know, be in a school that went overboard to make sure that the students were able to learn whatever they could learn. And thanks to um, a sister, the late, great sister, 
Jacqueline Lee. Um, it, it was a mo small, mostly white school. All the black students went to Jackie Lee's black studies class. And that's where I met, you know, writers like Richard Wright, Gwendolyn Brooks, you know, you know Ralph Ellison, you know, Alex Haley. And um, she planted those seeds that 20 years after her very un untimely passing, you know, back in the 70s, became black back. So, yeah, I went to MIT, did electrical engineering instead of computer because I was DJing. The, the, the computer folks were too nerdy for me. They were playing Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and, and whatever. And I was like, I'm away from home and there's girls here. I don't <laughs> want to be like that. <laughs> like, so I was DJing, you know, Dale can share. That's how we met, you know, but I didn't get it back into the really interested in programming until I was like 30. And wow. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, got interested in it. I mean, I touched it a little bit in high school, but that was like in the real early days, you know, punch cards and green paper, <laughs> you know, with the, with the dots and stuff on, on the side, you know, real old school stuff. Yeah. Um, I was doing software testing. I asked the, the folks I was working for, if I took courses and um, learned, you know, on programming, would they do tuition reimbursement? And they were like, well, we're more of a hardware company than a software company and you're a software tester. So no. Nope. So I was like, well, okay, if I teach myself and I start making some stuff, can we amend our employment agreement so that you don't have any intellectual property rights? And they said, well, we're more of a hardware company and a software company and you're a tester. So sure. <laughs> and that's what we did. I taught myself how to program. Um, you know, um, I, I ended up. Well, how, how did getting, you do that back in that time, Ken? Because we're talking no, there's no YouTube tutorials, right? So, um, right, right, how right, did right. you teach yourself how to program? I, I use this, this, um, you know, very, very hard to find tool called a book. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, there's two books that I bought: Programming Windows by Charles Petzold, and um, Windows Three: A Developer's Guide by Jeffrey Richter. Well, I've actually connected with on LinkedIn and thanked him for helping me get started. Um, yeah, I read those books and started messing around, playing with stuff. And, you know, I've always been a, an, a strong advocate for try to find something that you're interested in. So, you know, I had little programs that were like desktop utilities. I, 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 I did a program that was a little... <laughs> It was an endless list of your mama jokes <laughs> okay. where you could click a button. If you, if you found yourself in a competition, you, you, you would be able to just click a button and a new your mama joke would come up oh, um, all, all day. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I did things like that to make it a little fun, you know, and ended up getting a program into a, a book that sold enough copies that I was able to quit my job. And um, with the name Inner City Software, et cetera, and especially because of what was in the book, because um, they printed my entire help file where in my, my acknowledgements, I got very black. Mm. I, uh, more how than black. Malcolm Black, okay? And they printed how it. <laughs> how, how black? Yes, sir. Well, this is in the early 90s, um, a few years before the Million Man March. And at the time, Minister Farrakhan was going uh, across the country doing mm. his Stop the Killing 
men only meetings where he, he had, you know, been instrumental in, in negotiating a truce between the Bloods and the Crips and stuff like that. And um, locally, you know, they were very, very um, active in reducing crime in the Boston area. So I gave a shout out, you know, to Martin, Malcolm, Marcus Garvey. But I gave a shout out, you know, to the, the Minister Farrakhan and the nation. And that was printed in the book. This book was in CompUSA, you know, um, and I was like, whoa, this is different. This is not, you know, you know, I don't have to clean up my act, you know, to, to be presentable, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, that that was really the impetus that got me to think about um, being an unapologetically black technologist, which is what I've been doing. Um, ever since then, since 95, you know, trying to get a black history book into the Boston public school system and black facts and et cetera, et cetera. So man, that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. my story. Yeah, that's powerful right there, man. Like, I mean, even now you, you say something about, you know, I'm with Louis Farrakhan, <laughs> Minister Farrakhan, people are raising our eyebrow, but the 90s, it's like, wait, what? What? They're like, <laughs> right. People start backing right, up. Right. <laughs> right. Well, well, yeah, I mean, you know what, you know, since the March, I mean, he had a, a bout with prostate cancer and, you know, and, and they've, they've gone in a lot of different directions. So it's definitely not like it was back then, you know, um, because back then there were a whole lot of folks who, like like myself, who didn't necessarily go along with a lot of what they said, but appreciated that they were the only black folks who would stand up and say whatever they wanted. And if you didn't like it, that was your problem. Mm-hmm. And that level of confidence, that level of take me as I am, love me or hate me, I don't care we really haven't seen ever since, you know, and that is powerful. Yes. Um, you know, and it, it is separate from, do you agree with everything they're saying? You know, you know, because, Hey, it's a fundamentalist religious organization. Every fundamentalist religious organization says things that you're like, um, I'm not really on board with that. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> you know what? They, they, I feel like they, they do that with us a lot where it's like, if, is somebody to find something wrong with them or something they said wrong. And there, if you, if there's anybody like two individuals that agree on everything, like I, I would be shocked because I've never met two people that agree on everything, but they do that with us where it's like, Oh yeah, you know, he said this and that and the third, but I right. can do that with anybody because no two people <laughs> agree on. <laughs> including the, including the person who follows you in the mirror all the time, you know, you will disagree with that person. Right, 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 right. So, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I'm one of those folks where, you know, it's like, hey, no, nobody is perfect. You know, um, I, I, I often say, because somebody on Facebook was talking something about Neil deGrasse Tyson yesterday, and I'm like, you know what? I'm sure he's not perfect. None of us are. But I, I, have, a, I have a general rule that I don't criticize people who have more accomplishments on their Wikipedia pages than I do. <laughs> I was like, because, you know, for whatever Neil deGrasse Tyson you know, may not be, you know, you know, picture perfect. I was like, he not only has helped increase the profile of scientific knowledge around the world more than most other humans, but he's done it as a black man. And is one of the few black people that has made his bones from the neck up hmm. and not from singing. <laughs> you know? Got to throw, you know, that right? throw that in there. Got that caveat. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Sir. So you know, yeah, yeah. So so I, I think that many times the the expectation of perfection is a, is somewhat of a boondoggle. You know, we're all humans are complicated, man. Henry Ford was a vicious anti-Semite. Um, um, William Shockley, transistor inventor, he was a eugenicist, racist. Mm. You know, people are complicated, man. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on and on and on and on and on and yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it doesn't mean that you know. Oh, we should give folks a pass, but it's like, yeah, you, you can't expect anybody to be perfect or whatever. You tend to appreciate things that folks have done, and hopefully, you know, the things that. The other things aren't so bad that you're like, ah, I can't mess with you. Yeah, like some yeah. people who we won't mention. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a list of those folks. It's like, you still like yeah. so-and-so? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. That's, uh, yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, that's that's quite a, a history there, man. And then um, I think to uh, identifying that you were able to sell enough copies to be like, you know what? I don't, I don't really need this job right now. <laughs> Um, so kudos to you for doing that and going so on that solo mission. And, um, so now we got Mr. Dale, uh, and, uh, you know, your story coming up there. What was, what was coming up? What was going on with you, man? Um, so I was born in Jamaica and I came to the United States when I was six years old. My mother had to file for me to go through all the immigration stuff. And, um, and I was a nerd. And, uh, you know, the guy who inspired me was my aunt's, um, ex-husband because Uncle Jeff was an electrical engineer. And I was, I think in seventh grade, sixth grade. And he was amazing to me because he had this band that was like kitted out, you know, like he pushed a button and all these lights came down. He pushed another button, the stereo came on. He had all these, you know, things they use, what they call servo motors, which I knew what a servo motor was when I was in sixth grade. No, my teachers didn't know what I'm talking about, but it's because of Uncle Jeff, you know, he had, he had remote control cars. He had a remote control boat and he was an electrical engineer. Like his whole house was wired for sound and all this stuff. It was amazing. And if you're a kid, you know, who's never seen anyone do anything and know that your uncle not only, you know, knows about these things, but can build them. He was my inspiration to get into tech. And because of him in eighth grade, I built a robot, um, as, at, for the science fair and, you know, I had like a walkie talkie hooked into it so I could talk into the walkie talkie and the robot could talk to people. You know, <laughs> so, so you know, it was, it was all kinds of that. I could flick a switch and it would go off and then flick another switch. So all of this, you know, it was because of my uncle Jeff that got me into this. And, and growing up, I was always an avid reader. Uh, in fact, there are pictures of me both in elementary school and high school in the yearbook, walking down the hallway reading a book because that's what I was into. And I got into technology because of uncle Jeff. I wanted to be a computer scientist when I was 12 and then be a computer scientist, you know, um, um, specializing in robotics and, and, you know, I'm going to do all this stuff. Well, I ended up being a computer consultant, but by the time I got to high school, computers were like it for me. And I was, I was a hacker, you know, I was getting into all kinds of trouble, you know, not how did you learn to do that? Badge. 
because we used to like back in the day, like, you know, you hear about how you can make free phone calls on, um, on pay phones. Not that these kids today know what a pay phone is because you could <laughs> send a digital tone into the phone and it would actually, it would actually make you allow to make a phone call. And I had my computer hooked up to a telephone pole that was near a tree where my tree fort was. And like we tapped into like banks because back then Whoa. they had, they had all these modems that you could dial into. There were 300 baht modems, but you could dial into almost any institution and they had no security because they thought who the hell knows how to get into this stuff. So, <laughs> you know, we used to dial into the college, you know, the local colleges and we could like see grades and all this stuff. And it was in, it was all programmed, you know, back then they had like the card readers and it was programming COBOL. So I taught myself COBOL, you know, wow. and I taught myself basic reading the manual. And I started the computer club in high school and my computer teacher said, okay, Dale, you're getting into way too much. I have a friend of mine, Saul Broder, who works at NASA. They're always looking for really smart kids. So when I was 17, I ended up working for NASA. And at 17, at Goddard Space Flight Center. Yeah, I was like the first, I was the first black high school kid they hired. I was the only high school kid there because everyone they hired were college interns. Wow. Um, and we were working on predictive modeling. All the stuff that you see today on the Weather Channel, the storm tracking patterns and all that stuff, we wrote mm -hmm. all the original code in Fortran and JCL to figure out how to track weather patterns and storms and things like that. And while I was there, I met like all these guys from MIT and Caltech. And see, I was 17. I wasn't really the smartest person. I would just read the manual, you know? So, mm. so for me, you know, people are like, Dale's really smart. I'm like, no, I just was a nerd. And you know, if you look on page 62, <laughs> it says you connect this to that. You have to get to page 62, but you know, it's in there. And so I met all these guys that were really smart that went to like MIT and I'm like, these guys are nerds. I'm not going there. So I decided because of that experience that I was going to go to Boston University, which was a party school at the time. I did not know that necessarily, but it had computer engineering and not very many schools had computer engineering at the time. And so I went to Boston University and when I was there, um, there is a black student union at MIT called Chocolate City. And so if you are black in Boston in the collegiate circle, you know where everything is. Like, cause there's not a lot of black folks in Boston, but those that are in the know know where all the parties are. And then, then you get connected. You also get involved with Greek life, you know, and I ended up pledging Phi Beta Sigma, one of the black fraternities. And Ken is actually Kappa Alpha Psi. You know, another one of the, you know, historical black fraternities, we, we're still cool, but you know, <laughs> you know, he's all right. But the bottom line is I found out about Chocolate City from another, you know, when the, the black kids go over there and I was like, okay. So I went over there and there was this DJ who was just amazing. The music he was playing because black college parties aren't about drinking. It's about dancing, you know, so all this music and. The DJ back then, guess what? Was Ken Granderson. Wow. Now I didn't know who he was, except uh -huh. I was like, that is a great DJ. And it turns out that when I finally turned 21, if you go to the clubs in Boston, the best club music DJ in Boston at the time was Ken. Wow. So whenever there was a, when there was college parties, Greek fest, whatever, Ken Granderson would have his band. He's got pictures of himself with his hair all long and whatever, you know, <laughs> and all these gigantic speakers because 
he and and he would play some house music. Oh my goodness, we tear it up. So that's how we met while we were in college. After college, you know, I started my own company while I was in college. Um, what what gave you then, the idea to start your own company in college? Like people were just so, trying to figure things out in college, and you're like, Yo, I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, college was boring for me, right? Because you know, I worked in the financial aid office at Boston University, and I also worked with their office of corporate finance, and they used this program called Lotus One Two Three, which was a spreadsheet program before there was Microsoft Excel. And I mastered Lotus One Two Three, and I found out, like you know, man, there's so much you can do with this program, and. I also found out how much money BU has in endowments because I was working with all their <laughs> finance, right? Uh-huh. And so I am like a freshman, but I know more about the computer system than, than anyone in, in the school. And I had backdoors into all their backend systems and I was teaching people how to use Lotus one, two, three. And so then I was like, you know what? People kept asking me for help. And there was, I forgot the name of this. There was this computer company that did nothing but do online training. And I can't remember the name off the top of my head anymore. And I would get hired by people who went to their training class and said, that class was great, but could you come and just program it in my office? So we went to the mail rooms and gave out flyers to the mail boy, because if you're black, you could walk into any mail room in any building in Boston. Back then, there wasn't like, you know, Oh my God, you got, you know, you got to sign in and badge and whatever else because, you know, nothing had been blown up as yet. So if you're black, I just walk in. Oh, I'm going to the mailroom. I go down to the mailroom. I would give the mail guys who are invariably other black guys. Here's mm-hmm. a bunch of flyers about us. And so they would hand out our flyers on all these buildings. So I was getting com- companies thinking that we're big, you know, <laughs> thinking that we're <laughs> a big company saying, Hey, we need help with our PC because com- p- people are just learning how to use computers. And there was this company called Aris Serono Group that did stock investment and, and all this kind of stuff. And the head of the company asked me to train him and set up his computer. And before you know it, you know, now understand, I was just a representative of Microtech Network Systems. You know, mm-hmm. our owner is somebody else, <laughs> you know. So, you know, you couldn't be the owner of the black company. I was just, you know, I was just, oh, the, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. See, I was I was trying not to interrupt because I, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go offline for a minute. But do you hear this song that's playing in the restaurant? No. It's playing house music in the restaurant. That's the universe working right there. Yeah, you remember that song? Listen, that 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 brings back. So anyway, old guys talking about house music. None of you young generation <laughs> even know what we're talking about. House was um, dope, though. I, I'm not going to, you know, house is making a comeback so, too, man, in certain places. So, you know, um, you know, I started this company and I had an answering service because one of my friends, um, his parents owned an answering service business. So I had a phone number. They gave me a phone number free because He's my roommate, and he's like, "Yeah, my mom looks so." They, so you know, thank you for calling Microtech Network Systems. How can we help you? 
And then they'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll send out our technician, you know, our tech guys, you know, Dale's coming out there, blah, 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 because it couldn't be owned by a black person. Otherwise, mm. these white companies would not be paying me you know, thousands what are we of dollars, about? you know. So, oh, what was this? This was like 1986, 1986, 87, mm. um, and 88. So, so I started my first company and, you know, I was making more money than my parents were by the time I was 21. So I'm like, why yeah. am I still in school? So, <laughs> you know, why do I want to take multivariate calculus and linear algebra? <laughs> so, that makes sense. That makes so, sense. So, you know, so I dropped out and I moved out to um, the, the, the suburbs in, in of Boston. And I was like living in this complex, you know, had swimming pool, tennis courts, two bedrooms, two bathroom apartment. I was living large, you know, <laughs> that lasted about a year and a half before I ended up broke, you know, because I'm living well and I'm spending it like crazy, you know. <laughs> so two years later, I'm living on my friend's sofa. Man. <laughs> and I started my second company after a summer partying down um, in Martha's Vineyard. But during all this time, you know, Ken was doing stuff in the community. And so my second com company, Teletech Consulting Enterprises, was focused on tech stuff, but we were really looking at corporate clients. Canon Inner City Software, you know, in the early 90s was focused on community projects, mm. but we knew one another and there was a cadre of black technologists that all kind of, we knew each other. And sometimes we'd have each other on the voicemail system. So it looked like we were bigger companies when we were actually, because, <laughs> you know, we're small companies trying to, trying to get a dollar however we could. Right. And, um, so Ken and I worked on several of Ken's projects in the community. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there, there was inner city access. And then he stood up, he mentioned standing up the communities of Roxbury, Dorchester, and Mattapan online right. before there was any Yelp, before, before all those we already had it online with a business directory and all this stuff. We did all this stuff early in the technology, but we never could get funded. My court clients were more like, big corporations, Liberty Mutual Insurance and Staples and things like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, my company in Teletech, we did consulting services. Black Facts at the time wasn't even a company. Black Facts, as Ken mentioned, was really just a passion project that it was a website, but not a company. It mm -hmm. grew organically, you know, over the years because so many people kept coming to the site. But, you know, Ken and I, we remained in touch and a lot of the folks that we knew from back in the day, you know, they have moved on. Some of them have passed on, unfortunately. Um, but Ken and I, we continue to partner on different projects. And even some of his, when he shut down inner city software, one of his former employees was working out of my office in Malden. Cause I had like two floors in Malden. I had like 18 full-time employees and I oh, was wow. growing my business, you know, as a small black business in Massachusetts until September 11th, when a lot of my customers were in New York and everything kind of died from that. And I, you know, had to start all over. But one of the people that worked for me, you know, uh, out of my office for, you know, one of Ken's folks, um, Diana, she ended up getting Ken in touch with the government of St. Lucia and Kent ended up building the website portal that manages the entire government of St. Lucia. Wait, what? Listen, there are only, I don't know how many countries there are in the world, 200 and something actual countries, but one of them is running on software that we own and control. 
Man, that is so dope, man. Black excellence at its finest. So, so you know, when we say we're among the top and the top, well, I don't know how many people say that a country is running on their software. Um, yeah. but that's See, I was trying to figure thing. out how do two guys run a whole company called Black Facts on information that gets added in every day now? <laughs> now, yeah, now it makes sense. You're only running another whole country's operation with their technology. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So you know, I mean, our strength has always been that we're nerds and we love the tech, and we want to make sure that we find young folks who are interested in maintaining this because we're getting old. You know, yes, sir. Now, Black Facts is not, you know, wasn't even a company until last a year ago july not this past july but you know 2020 it was still just a website you know we incorporated um in july of 2020 um and we are just now positioning ourselves where we have you know revenue coming from the content that we had because when we first started black facts it was everything was for free mm -hmm. and then we thought hey we could have members but we never really had a good campaign for getting members and we were still just giving away and sharing black history and it mm -hmm. was only as we began to create videos as i was telling your daughter um that things began to transform and we believe that because of the sudden interest in you know facts you know i mean you know, it used to be that when you lied you were embarrassed you know and you could be embarrassed enough that you would resign from your job because you lied about something you know but then you know, recently our politicians have realized they could lie all the time. It means nothing, you know, but that then led to, well, wait a minute, fact checking and facts. And it's alternative so facts, right? Isn't that what they call it? Exactly. There it is, <laughs> right? You know, fake news. <laughs> and, you know, so having a site that, you know, we are not perfect and, and we do aggregate content from other sources, but a lot of those sources, we try to make sure that we trust where the information is coming from. Right. And our videos, we create, you know, ourselves, you know, we want to make sure that we tell our stories and, you know, there is no exit strategy for Kenandale. You know, the exit strategy is not to say, oh, let's sell this to, you know, to Google or whomever. And I'm sure um, you've gotten offers. I don't know. Not that I know of, you know, because <laughs> they don't know, they don't know that we exist, you know, oh, but okay. we are, we are, we are in the sweet spot right now where people that need to know are finding out about us. A few years ago, never heard of us. See, I mean, you probably never heard of us a few years ago. No, but sir, we, thank you, Mr. Samuels. Put me on. See, exactly. But we have, we did a crowdfunding campaign last year. And as part of that campaign, they taught us that it is important to put your faces out there. It is important. People want to know who is the creator and who is behind Black Facts. They want to know the stories of the people that created Black Facts because we didn't tell our stories to anybody. Ken has a whole timeline of his, like he has an entire website that called KenGranderson.com. If you go to it, you will see him shaking hands with Al Gore, you know, mm. former Vice President Al Gore. You will see all these video clips from, you know, community projects that he's been involved with. There's an entire timeline of 30 years as a Black technologist. You know, but that's the only place that that's listed on blackfacts.com. We never told people much about ourselves except that we were here, but it was because of our crowdfunding campaign that we started getting our messaging out better. 
And we found out that people were interested. We didn't know. You know, we thought they were interested in the black history. And it turns out they were interested in the creators of black facts. And so that helped, you know, us do a better job of communicating and it allowed you to run into other people who heard about us. And now here we are on your podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Shout out to Mr. Samuels, creator of Angel Tech, putting us on. Um, so I kind of want to backtrack a little bit because, you know, we were talking about just the importance of ownership. And then you mentioned you were hiding the fact that you were the owner of your own company because you, it probably would have got you less business knowing that this is headed by a black man and he might be smarter than us. You know, so you actually mentioned in a previous interview that you had an experience where you were actually, uh, you know, you, you you didn't talk to the company before, but they wanted you come in to do a training, and then you know some things occurred once they found out this is a melanated. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. I you was. About that. I think I was twenty three, twenty four years old, and I was one of the foremost experts on local area networks. No one really knows what that is anymore. But back in the day, in order for your computers to talk to one another in an office, you had to have a local area network. You know, now everyone's on the internet, you know, or rewired and whatever else. But there was this thing called token ring, another thing called ethernet and all these. So I was an expert on that. And I was working remotely for New England Life and the owners of the company never knew me, but the company, the, the recruiting agency that had me, you know, they knew who I was and they could not tell anything about me because my name is Dale Dowdy. What does that mean? And when they speak to me on the phone, it wasn't video conferencing back then, you know, speak to them on the phone. I sound like I could be anything, you know, but clearly I'm not, yo, what's up boy in the hood thing, you know, it sounds like a, you know, and I don't <laughs> sound particularly black or white or whatever. So they didn't know who I was. So now the project is moving along and I am invited in to do a training about, you know, what we're doing and do highlights. And the executive vice president is at that meeting and they're like, who's that black guy? Because everybody at the table <laughs> is white. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. You know? And so it's like, you know, I am used to, by the way, being the only black guy in an executive board meeting. So I was cool. You know, I was dressed well. I, I, you know, if Ken will show you, has shown videos of us from back in the day, you know, um, I'm always the guy in the suit, right? You know, mm. and um, so, you know, I got escorted out of the building, literally, wow. because he didn't want a black man getting exposure to their environment. And they had no idea. I knew all their stuff because I set up their network, <laughs> you know, but he had never met Dale Dowdy before. He had spoken to Dale Dowdy and heard him on a a voice call because there were no video calls back then. Um, and he didn't want a black man. So they literally escorted me out of the building. The agency that sponsored me was so embarrassed. They paid me for like the next month, even though I was no longer on the project because they were embarrassed because, and I was so ashamed. What did, what did they even say at that point? Like, we, we just don't they want to get them they, out of here. They, <laughs> they, they let me, he's the head of New England life insurance in the Prudential building. What are you talking about? You know? Get this guy out <laughs> they, of here. They, they, they have their own building in Boston. Okay. So he's like, get out of my building, you know, and what could I do? I packed in my briefcase and left and I was removed from the project. And if this um, was like 2021, 2020, you'd have a lawsuit on your hands. Oh, hell you know? yeah. You know, so, you know, there are so many things 
that, you know, it has, it's really unfortunate the full circle that has occurred with political correctedness and what is right or wrong, you know, because when Ken was talking about, you know, Minister Farrakhan and Malcolm X and how during the Black Power Movement, Black people could be confrontational and say things that, you know, are not acceptable by the white populace, but still be comfortable enough in their own skin to be able to say that. And today, here we are, it's reversed. White people are afraid to say something negative about black people, but black people are also afraid to say something positive about black people. Dale, I do want to correct you. Um, white teachers are not afraid to say negative things to black kids <laughs> at all. And, so, <laughs> you know, some of that is still going on, you know. True, true. Doors. You know, because they tell you, you can't be anything and whatever else. But let's say prominent figures, you know, I mean, like right now there's a coach who's talking about racism in the NFL, you know, and he is considered an outlier, even though the NFL is, you know, 75, 80% black players. Yeah, I think I, they're all getting they're all getting paid so well they don't want to say anything. Yeah, and um I don't I don't know right now if they even have other than um There's uh, one black coach. Mike, now. Mike Tomlin. One. Yeah. That's it. Mike He's the only black coach. <laughs> they started the Rooney Rule. Yeah. The Rooney Rule is twenty years ago to improve and now and back then they had three black coaches and they were mad about it. So they made a rule about it, and here we are twenty something years later, and there's only one black coach. Wow, you know, because uh, the owners are all white, you know, and and I'm not here to talk, you know, about you know football or whatever else, but what I'm saying is that, you know, it feels like as black people achieve a certain success, they become handcuffed by their success because they're afraid to make waves because they're doing well. You know, there's not a whole lot of Muhammad Ali's out there. Muhammad Ali got his career sidetracked because he's like, no, I don't believe in this Vietnam War. Mm. I can't see any black athlete doing that today. You know, they might, Colin Kaepernick, all he did was take a knee and he's never played football again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Never played football again. You know, so, you know, there are very few folks that will take a stand you know, about things like that. And I'm not telling people that they have to or do not have to. What I do know is that if you've experienced different levels of racism, you can understand why it is important to talk about it. Absolutely. And so for us, it's important to talk about our stories. And that's why we think Black facts is so important. And for us to be able to, to tell the true stories, we're not going to try to embellish. We're not going to I don't know how you can make slavery worse than it was. Okay. Mm. But we'll at least acknowledge that it happened <laughs> and, you know, and, and tell the stories around that, but that we've also overcome them. Absolutely, man. Um, and with the whole slavery thing, like, you know, if we're talking about the Holocaust and that's okay. You know, this, right. <laughs> what, 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 what's, what's so bad about sharing about what actually happened with slavery? It wasn't, it wasn't the greatest of things that occurred, but 
And I think too, like within that shows like sincerity a little bit at least to to be like, okay, this this actually happened and you know, we're we're not happy about it, but you know, this is what occurred, as opposed to like, you know. Wait, wait, but you know what though, you know, as as the saying goes, to be fair, there are there's no shortage of Holocaust deniers either. Mm. That 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 yeah. that is a thing these days with with some with some of the same you know yeah that is true but I was, I was folks. yeah I was uh mentioning just the fact you know just uh having it in schools taught appropriately um no. you know just like right 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 no no I understand but I'm saying like like you know s- similar to you know you know in addition to Toni Morrison the folks wanted to ban her you know that that book Mouse you know about the Holocaust is another is on the list. You know, I mean, that was like mm. last week. That was new. You know, so I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, a lot of the same folks who don't, there are certainly some things that are, that are, you know, about black folks, but it, at another level, it seems like it's like we don't want anything that puts white folks in a bad light. Mm. But let's not talk about no trail of tears either, you know. <laughs> yeah, great points. Great points. You know, Columbus. Columbus was a great guy. You know, so I'm just saying. You know, there's there's <laughs> there's different the, the, the different rooms in the same you know ward of denial. Each one each one has its own unique attributes, but it's a common thread of you know don't let let's not make let's not say anything that might make our white kids uncomfortable. Mm because There's you know yeah yes yes they don't like uncomfortable <laughs> conversations right you know, um and 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 whether or not they're true what's funny well I, I almost feel like there are two camps right there's the camp who like we hate you black folks anyway and you jews <laughs> so right right you know, yes the holocaust happened and slavery and we need you to go back to that and then there's the other camp that says we are politically correct we know that these things happen, but why do we need to talk about it? Right. 2022. Right, right, right. Right? You right. Know, <laughs> they, we, yes. we don't need to. Yes, this, these, something may have happened. We don't really know. It was an uncomfortable <laughs> time. But hey, look at us Let's now. I've got Let's three black on. friends, you know. <laughs> right. you know and, you got my daughter sitting next to your black son Oprah. in school. Right, yeah. right, right, and you, and you know what? One of the things that I find interesting about these things, and it's a it's a pattern, is that a lot it, a lot of times, even though the the claim may be it's about the kids, it's really about the it's really about the adults because um, you know there, there's a similar dynamic that I've heard around like you know gender sexuality sort of things where they say oh you know I don't want to confuse the kids, and the thing is. The kids seem many times seem to be like much more comfortable than the adults where they're like, mm. yeah, so, you know, the, you know, you know, that boy likes boys. Okay. Can, you know, can we eat now? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, there, and there's some, I don't know if it was a comedian or something that I saw recently where there's a white fellow who has like an eight year old daughter or something. And I guess he was asking her you know, do you know about these things? And, you know, folks don't want to teach certain things that white people did back then. They were concerned people will feel uncomfortable. And, and the, the, the response was like, well, well, the only white people that should feel uncomfortable about that are, you know, ones that would do that sort of stuff today kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like the kids said that, like, you know, so okay. I think a lot of times, yeah. 
Anyway, yeah, it's, it's just it's the adult. The adults use the kids as an excuse to justify, right. you know, what they don't want to talk about. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of the kids nowadays. They're growing up in multicultural, you know, situations, and they would understand and empathize, and you know, they wouldn't feel personally bad because guess what? They weren't there. <laughs> you know, they, they're not guilty, but they will understand this was terrible what happened. We have to make sure that we don't let those things happen again. And mm-hmm. I have a funny feeling a lot of the adults realize that the kids would understand that. You know, oh, and there's another meme that I've seen recently talking about um, Ruby Bridges. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and, you know, talking about like, yeah, so interesting that um, I, it goes something along the lines of the, you know, you know, the folks that don't want folks to know about, um, you know, I, I think something like, like basically, they don't want their kids to see this because they don't want to see like grandpa and grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Some of those folks are still alive. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely something to think about. Yeah. yeah but, so but I have to so, say, I, I'm encouraged. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've been very encouraged by some of the allies that we've run into, um, you know, who have in, in, in some cases been more proactive about sharing, you know, information about um, black culture, you know, than, than many of our folks who many times seem to be stuck in old fashioned ways of doing things. I'm encouraged by um, in 2020 when we had, you know, a lot of the protests, um, several stories of hearing folks talking about, like, like the police might get a little bit agitated and they would yell white shield. And some mm. of the white folks would get up in the front and like magic, the police would calm down a little bit. There are folks, there always have been some, but most of them don't don't get press unless, you know, they end up tragically dying, you know, like, like Goodman and Cheney. You know, there always have been some allies who were, you know, willing to stand up for what was right, despite the social you know, ostracization they may get from some of their own folks. Um, um, and I've seen more of that recently. And I'm encouraged by it because we're going to need their help to push back on the folks who want to silence history. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know, I, I mean, you know, we spoke about Malcolm earlier. I'm, I'm reminded of a scene um, that I don't remember if it was in the book or, or just the movie, but I think it was a real scene where, you know, there's a young white woman who asked him, you know, what could she do? And he basically said, you know, to help. And she basically was like, he said like nothing. And I actually think that was a strategic error because, um, you know, as a personally, you know, being a cisgendered heterosexual male, I understand that I'm in rooms when with men who will say misogynistic or homophobic stuff, and they're not going to listen to a woman or a gay person. They'll listen to me. Mm. So, you know, so we need white allies to stand up in the rooms where we're not there. Or if we were there, we would not, our voices would not be heard. And I'm seeing more of that these days. You want to know something funny? I, I swear, yesterday I was watching, you know, sports and they were talking about the NFL situation where, um, Brian Floyd, um, you know, and, and his suit, his class action suit, 
um, against the NFL. And one of the speakers, Kendrick Perkins, said, here's the thing. While it would be nice if some of the 75% of black athletes that actually, you know, are on these teams who know who their coaches are and know, you know, and support this, what would be more important is if the white athletes, if the Tom Brady's, if the, if the white men who believe that this is wrong stand up and say something because they have access that we don't, you know, if Bill Belichick can apologize to him because, Hey, I'm sorry. I thought it was the other player. And that was the text message that they're talking about, you know, well, why doesn't Bill Belichick go to the owners and say, wait a minute, this is wrong. Let's do something about it because mm-hmm. they will listen to the coach of the new England Patriot eight, what, seven times Super Bowl, you know, five time winner, blah, blah, blah. Whereas they might not listen to random black announcers on sports programs or, or black athletes because we're not in the rooms. So it was interesting. The, the point that Ken just made was reaffirmed to me in a totally separate conversation. But in the context, it says that as much as we want our own people to bring their voice to the issues, we will never be successful if it's just our own people. We need allies and other people, what did Ken say, who are in the rooms where we are not. Or in the rooms where we're not, but we are not heard. And I think about too with that that whole concept too. I think as long as you know white folks uh, share our message and it is our message, and they don't convert it into like you know speaking for you know black folks. And I think that's important because sometimes like you know once it gets taken over, then we it kind of doesn't become ours anymore. You know, and we've seen that quite a you know quite a bit as well. Uh, so I think it's important to to just allow black folks just to own that that message and just you know spread the word. And I, so who is it that said something about the all it takes for a bad thing to continue is for a good person to be silent about it or something like that? I don't remember mm. the quote, but it is a yeah, quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that I don't know if it's a Martin Luther King quote. But it, it goes along. That. It goes along the lines of the only thing that's necessary for evil to triumph is is for I think like good the good people to remain silent or to, to do nothing. Mm. Exactly, you know, and that 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 you know, things will continue unless people that say that they are good that say that they you know believe that that is wrong actually stand up and do something. You know, it was the protests that were joined by white people. You know that started to make a change because you know when black was protesting by ourselves you know they were bringing out the the, the throwing you know tear gas tear and gas, remember gas, you know exactly. and bringing out the tanks the, the police car tanks and whatever in st louis <laughs> you know and we were trying to protest because they shot a man walking down the street you know um, right. but when white people are in the crowd hold on a second i wouldn't even get into january 16th i'm just saying when when white protesters are are doing the white shield in a black crowd, all of a sudden the cops are like, well, maybe we don't need to fire a gun. <laughs> we could, you know, we could just say, hey, you need to step back, young man. <laughs> no. Yeah. So we need allies and people that, that, that to, to use their voice where they can be heard to make a difference. Hmm. 
All right. So let's say a listener is, you know, they, they like, yo, you know what? This Black Facts sounds really good. Um, you know, I really want to check it out. Walk us through, you know, just how we walk through the site. There's tons of information in there. How do we navigate through everything and what's what when you go on the site? Okay. So we will caveat by saying, you know, we have concerns about our site design um, and even the color scheme, you know, because we always argue back and forth about how to improve on it. So we just keep it the same because we can't come to a <laughs> consensus. The one thing we do know is that the current structure of the site is immersive. And what I mean by that is that people that visit the site end up going deeper and deeper into the site. So when you go on the homepage, beyond seeing the video of the day and stuff at the top, if you scroll down, you will see other black historical facts that are relevant for today. You know, whatever today's date happens to be. It's so-and-so's birthday, this event happened, yada, yada, yada. You can scroll down. When you click on any of those facts, it will take you to a detail page that will tell you more about the fact. And then below, it will tell you, oh, and these are related facts. So if you clicked on Michael Jackson's birthday, you will go to a page that says, yeah, he was born on this day and blah, blah, blah. And here's some more about his family. But then you'll see stories about Jermaine Jackson and Prince and Lionel Richie and other people that were around his time. And so you can go deeper and deeper because each time you click on something, our AI engine identifies related content for that thing. That's the immersive experience of the website. At the end of the day, almost everything on the site is searchable. So on the website, there's a search where you can search by date. So you can say, I want to see what happened in Black history on my birthday. And you select your birthday and do a search. It will come back with those things. If you want to search for stories about anyone, we're Black Facts is becoming a research tool because we have over half a million articles and we'll probably have a million by the end of this year, maybe by June or July, depending upon how you know how much content we're pulling in. Um, but when you search on a topic, you know, um, all the details that we have about that topic will come as that search result and any related items will also come up. The site is really focused on the three things that we do. One, we deliver black history. So wherever possible, you know, you can see black history. You know, and that's all available on the homepage. Um, and it's also available on the Just the Facts page, which gets rid of all the other stuff that's going on and just gives you Black historical facts for this particular day. The second thing that we do is Black News. We actually have a, a section called Wakanda News. And if you go on the top menu, it has Black History and then it has Black News. You click on that news. You will see news articles from over 200, uh, 200 sources around the globe, 30 something countries, 18 of them, which are black. It's broken up. So you can see the U.S. news. You can see, you know, Caribbean news and you can see African news. And, you know, as we continue to add sources, you know, it'll continue to spread. Each one of the news stories also, where possible, has a flag for the country that it's from. And you can search for news just based upon the country or content. So that's another thing that we serve. So black history is one. 
which anywhere in the site you can search for any black historical fact. Black news is the second thing. You click on the, on the top menu, it says black news, and it'll take you to a page just about news stories. You know, and usually it's news stories up until today. Sometimes mm-hmm. the back end engine is not running, so you might see yesterday's news, but usually it has today's news from all these different sources. And the third thing, which is what has become the most popular, is black historical and cultural videos. And we have like 11 video series, 12 video series. So when you click on the black videos, it will show you either a directory of all our videos, because we are like the Netflix of black history videos, where you can see whichever series you want, and then pick that series, and then it will show more videos from that particular series. So we have like Black History Heroes, or Inspiring Women of Color, or I'm Caribbean, so, um, you know, Afro, uh, 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 Caribbean Trailblazers, where we have stories from every Caribbean island, you know, uh, LBGTQ pioneers, um, LGBT, I, I always get that confused sometimes. My apologies. Um, I'm dyslexic. Um, <laughs> and, and Afro Latino Trailblazers. So we, we have series on a particular topic. And in that topic, we can have 30 videos or 60 videos or however many videos. And we have what is called the Black Facts Minute. That is the one source on the internet where you can get a unique video for every single day of the year, a unique black historical video for every single day of the year. Hmm. Um, we, we also have like the Divine Nine, which are black Greek letter organizations and Kwanzaa. I think we have two Kwanzaa series, but Kwanzaa was the first video series we created trying to explain the meaning of Kwanzaa to our audience. Um, so that's how you navigate the site. You, across the menu, there are three major things that we do. We offer products to schools and to organizations, and that's a different subject. But for people of color who want to learn about black history, who want to search for black news, and who want the most amazing library of black historical videos, all the videos are between one and six minutes long. Um, a couple of them are a little bit longer, but only a few. Um, that tell stories, inspiring stories of the greatness of our culture and the achievements of our women, the achievements of our scientists and our musicians. And, you know, we celebrate people past and present in our archive and we'll continue to add more people over time. Got it. Got it. And uh, for information wise, like, do you guys have facts and information before 1619? Because I think when we generally we've been taught to think about black history in the sense of uh, starting from, you know, slavery and, and taking it from there, you know, so do you guys have so, stuff before we're talking about like, you know, African empires. Yes. And- yes. We have a whole series um, called our educational series. And that takes you back to African empires all the way to the black power movement. Now I will say that a large majority of our content focuses on black history in America or American black historical figures, other than like when we're doing the Caribbean and what we are doing, you know, we have plans for, you know, famous African leaders. We have plans, you know, to get more historical stories. And there's some organizations that want to partner with us that want to actually have us work on videos for African legends like Anansi the Spider and other stories that are told to African children, you know, 
that we want to digitize and incorporate and put on the site. Um, we do have a small collection, as I said, of I think six or seven African empires that you don't know of because most kids only know Egypt, you know, and uh, we have a whole, you know, video series on Mansa Musa, who was the richest man who ever lived, and he was black. And kids mm -hmm. don't know that either, you know. Um, so, you know, we you mean the we, richest man who ever lived is not Mark Zuckerberg or no. <laughs> and, and, and the richest man who ever lived was actually rich because of gold. So he had real assets, not Bitcoin, not stock market, but actual <laughs> gold. Oh, man. You know, he Got was the emperor of, of Wakanda when there was no Wakanda. <laughs> right? Yeah, right, you right, know? right. So, yeah, yeah, the Malian, the Malian Empire, you know, that also housed the ancient library of Timbuktu, you know, which man. was a major center. Which was burned down. Know? Yeah, well, there, there's a fire, but yeah, it's still, you know, yeah, I don't think, I think that down completely. I think just thinking about that whole thing, like Timbuktu, like that library getting burned down and everything and losing all that information, it kind of makes a case for the work that you guys are doing, man, and digitizing things, man. And because, um, you know, we serve and protect books. our history. Yep. Yeah, yes. we, we lose books, we lose paperwork, we lose oh, notes we wrote no, down. No. Right, right, right. Well, actually, yeah, yeah. One of the, one of one of the um, things they say is that you know, libraries burn down and all griots die, but technology is forever. Mm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, so, as far as like, uh, you know, if I'm listening in and I met, I heard Dale say that we got current events and current things too, and let's say that somebody hits you guys up, like, you know, yeah, I just found out, you know, my my great grandmother, you know, she was she invented the mic, which is probably not true, but she invented the microwave. And, um, you know, she doesn't get any credit. And I just wanted to call you guys and have it on the black facts that, you know, my grand my great grandmother invented the microwave. Um, how do you fact check that so that, you know, you could actually uh, understand that this, this actually happened? Uh, so before you kind of put it on the site and everything. So we do not allow anyone to submit facts at this time. We actually were looking at crowdsourcing our content to allow members to be able to submit facts. But until we get our financial stability, because remember, this was not even a company a year and a half ago. You know, we're trying to figure out how to generate revenue. But until we until we have the staff to be able to go through and verify submissions, because we have a model that accounts for that. We actually have an entire setup that says, hey, you can submit a fact, it goes into a queue, it needs to be verified by this person. If you are someone with a trusted source, it doesn't need as much verification. And once it's verified, then we add it to our record. We actually also have a model that allows for family legends and myths, you know, and we want to be able to do things like recipes, like who makes the best cornbread? Cornbread down in South Carolina is not the same as cornbread in Louisiana. And, you know, but we want to be able to have our visitors contribute that content because we want black folks to help create black history. And we have this idea of the black legacy where you can sit down with grandma and grandpa and have them tell you their stories. And we can capture that information and cross reference it with information in our library and say, you know, 
when your grandma was in Louisiana, that was the same time as this bombing event occurred. So you can show your family's history as it relates to, you know, real historical facts, but it will be identified as family legacy stories, not as facts. Because, mm -hmm. you know, so, so that we, so because we, we do want our crowd, our visitors to, to be a part of the program, to be a part of our offering, but we're not enabling, while we have the functionality on the back end, we're not enabling that right now. Because as you say, someone could say that, you know, yeah, I invented XYZ and we have to spend the time to validate that. What we do for now, we identify trusted sources like museums, you know, like archives of, of black historical facts. And we're, we're looking to increase that to sources in Europe and Africa, you know, sometime later on this year. So we can continue to pull in our stories, but we identify that the source we feel comfortable with and is not putting out fake news, as it were, pull in that content from the source, cross-reference and aggregate it with our Timbuktu AI engine and continue to add that content. But we don't expect to allow for external additions of content until 2023 or beyond, because we still have to, we're already probably the largest source of, of our type of content on the internet, and we haven't even opened the floodgates yet. Mm. Once we do, we want to make sure that we manage that, you know, so that it's not that we want to restrict people from telling their family stories. We just want other people looking at it to know, this is Uncle TT's story. You know, this is not, <laughs> you know, a historical fact. This is his story that when he traveled 20 miles through the snow with no shoes on, you know. <laughs> so we want to make sure that we differentiate family myth and legend from facts um, and have the staff to manage that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because right now it's two guys. It's two guys like, you know, on a hamster wheel doing everything. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, man, um, yeah, so you guys got a lot of new things happening too. I, again, I don't know where, where you're finding time to do this, but you got a uh, Wakanda Marketplace, Black Business Directory, Wakanda University. So what are, what are some of the new things that you guys are, you know, kind of implementing into, into Black Facts? So we, as Black technologists, um, we envisioned, you know, Black Facts as a source for Texas. We wanted to be Wakanda for black folks, right? We wanted to create the technology to uplift the race. That's what we wanted to do. So we found that we were really good at putting out quality information about black folks from a historical perspective. And we could take those same skills to create a black business directory. Because there's a lot of directories out there and most of them are crap, you know. They're either not comprehensive or they're hard to navigate or they just don't have good information. Um, you know, and so we began to put a model in place for, well, how would we leverage our content aggregation skills and incorporate that to others so we can be the, you know, black professionals list. We can, you know, have black businesses. You know, we can become like a black LinkedIn. You know, we have access to or we did have access to an entire library of job skills training, and that was going to be our foundation for Wakanda University. All of these things are in the works or or 20% done or 50% done because 
as nerds, we come up with new ideas every single day. And it's really a question of when do we implement them? Um, we don't have a timeline set because when we were looking at the Black Business Directory and Wakanda University, you know, we thought, well, this is going to be really exciting to have job skills training. And we wanted that as part of our membership model because we thought, how do we, how do these guide us towards being able to have people sign up as members and be paid members? Well, if you can get job skill training and get access to these other resources, then it was worthwhile. And then in December 2020, I created the first Kwanzaa video series and the site exploded and we realized, wait a minute, instead of 2021 being focused on doing Wakanda University or focused on doing the Black Business Directory, all of which we have the pieces in place to begin to do, we ended up building 700 videos in 2021. And now those videos are being offered as licensed content that people are subscribing to. So right now we're focused on how we can generate revenue from the videos that we have. Even as we say, once we get staff on board, they can begin taking over some of these pilot projects that we started on. Because we have some really exciting stuff as technologists that isn't focused on black history. You know, we have the idea of a business in a box. How can a black business leverage technology better? We have lots of ideas and we need the staffing to be able to do it, but we needed to focus on how we're going to generate revenue so that Dale and Ken aren't the only two people doing all of this stuff. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Hey, Dale. I'm, oh. Sorry. Yeah. sorry um, I'm wondering, did, did, did we mention HBCU Showcase, by the way? No, I did not. So um, we are, we have the scripts that we have to review and approve, but we are building a directory of all 100 plus historical black colleges and universities. So in the same way that we have video series on black women and all, you know, these, we'll have a video series on HBCUs. Now, because there's a hundred and something of them, we've got to change our navigation structure, you know, and we've got to create all those videos and we want to make sure the scripts tell a good story about each one of the schools. But that's going to be a showcase for HBCUs. And because we also pull in news from all around the world, then our HBCU showcase will probably be more informative than the websites of the HBCUs in terms of what's happening within those colleges and universities, because we've already been pulling in the content as part of our growing library of news and information on any particular topic. You can pick a topic and type it into our search engine and you'll be amazed at what comes back. You know, you want to know about John Lewis? Just type in John Lewis. You'll find about news stories about him. You'll find, you know, memorials about him. You'll find videos about him. You know, you, you pick the topic. You name HBCU right now. Do a search. We haven't even built our showcase, but I guarantee you've got a news story about, you know, things happening at those particular colleges and universities. So, um, that's something that we're have coming after Black History Month because we're kind of swamped right now. Right. Uh, and Dale, and, and on the HBCU showcase, while its initial version is going to have videos, you know, historical information on the school, on notable alums and up to date information, the bigger picture for that is to end up making it uh, basically a fundraising portal for alumni. You know, because we will, 
give folks who are interested in staying up with the schools the ability to subscribe to the content about their alma mater. And, and over time, this is like maybe like a two to three year sort of plan. Um, you know, when, you know they're, they're, they're finding out what's going on, what's going on, you know, and at, at some point we will then bring in or give them the ability to, you know, hey, send a donation, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so we've, we've got a whole set of e-commerce kinds of things all tied in with the partnership you know, with the brother who has a company called PayBaby that's in the fintech and um, blockchain space. You know, he's, you know, been selling NFTs for Russell Simmons Masterminds of Hip Hop. You know, he's actually setting up a Bitcoin mining facility because he's the U.S. representative of, a, of this company that makes machines. And so, you know, we got our fingers in a bunch of things, but everything that we're doing is leading towards, you know, black folks being in control of our messaging and with the HBCU thing, helping to recirculate some of the wealth from many of our successful HBCU alums back to support those HBCUs. Got it, got it. And, you know, they definitely need that. And I know you guys will probably be needing some uh, assistance with all this stuff. And, um, you know, are we looking for you know, young Dale-like seventeen-year-old geniuses to come come through and uh, assist. So, what are you guys looking for? And you know, as you as you're going to be growing, uh, people that want to help out and help build uh, Black Facts. So, that's a very good question, and it is a challenge for us. Um, with luck, and maybe not luck because we're doing it. Um, you know, we'll start having the cash flow necessary to start bringing on additional staff. And that staff, we want to be black technologists or people who are interested in technology, but also people who are skilled in social media. Um, and we want to be able to make sure that we have the funding to be able to, to do all that. Because right now it's really just Ken and I. We have always wanted black interns. You know, we have always wanted young black folks who were excited about technology, but also interested in what we're trying to do to say, hey, I think this is important and I want to get involved. Unfortunately, we've been challenged in finding people that either had the interest or the skill set or the willingness to continue to do it, you know, because we, you know, we weren't, we didn't, wasn't a paid position. It was an opportunity to get in on the ground floor and to learn, you know, because we can teach you so much about technology. But we found that there was a challenge finding people. And, you know, because as you were talking about earlier, everyone is looking to be, you know, to go work for, you know, you know uh, Facebook and, 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 and Amazon. And, mm. and we're like, look, you can get in on the ground floor of a company that is all about us. Learn that technology and expand. You know, there are, there are black influencers right now on social media that we wish would work with us. To share our message and get credit for it you know it's not like we're not we we want to share the wealth we want you to shine because if you shine we shine you know but we have been challenged and you know i'm more pessimistic than ken he's always ever hopeful i'm like look we're not going to get anyone until we have the millions of dollars you know coming in so that we can pay them maybe not the same as the facebook's or whatever but we can find the ones that 
are motivated enough to give us a shot and come in, you know, whereas we had always hoped that, you know, young folks would look at what we have and realize how important and how special it was and say, you know what, I'm going to help make this even better. Because when we were doing this, this was a, this wasn't a business. This was a, mm-hmm. a, a project that we just believed in, passion project. So it's not like we were getting paid either. The money right. that we bring in right now isn't paying us. It's just keeping the lights on and making sure that, you know, cause I have, I have my own consulting gig that, you know, from Intellitech, which is still up and running my business. And that's what, you know, really, you know, keeps things afloat. Black Facts is just getting money in to begin to start to pay Black Facts to keep it going. Um, and so we're always looking for talent, but it, you know, someone has to be serious and motivated and willing to say, you know what, I want to get in on the ground floor. I think that the biggest talent skill that we would love now are people who are already good with social media to say, how can I leverage what they have and continue to spread the word? Because we have content. We need someone who's going to put all that content on TikTok or other platforms, not because it necessarily generates revenue, but because it generates visibility and awareness. All right. So if, I, if I'm, you know, younger listening in uh, and I do want to get to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm, I can build my own black tech company or assist in black facts, what do you think are some of the best avenues right now to, to go to, to, to get information and to learn? you know, to become, you know, involved in my own, my own type of operation. You know, Ken is the real programmer now. I focus more on the business side of things, you know, um, and he will tell you whatever the hot technologies that are out there. I actually had a, um, a conversation the other day with some young black creatives and they were looking to have a camp to bring young kids in so they could learn about NFTs and how to create NFTs. Now, I didn't know that young kids could even create NFTs, you know, <laughs> like what, <laughs> you know, um, but because this whole metaverse thing is, is what's hot and what's happening from the future perspective, there seems to be a lot going on in that space. You know, I think that. If you were to ask me, if you were a young person and wanted to eventually start your own business, there is the avenue of going to college and there's nothing wrong with going to college, but if you're in college, make sure you take classes on micro and macroeconomics. I say that because you will not, when you take Chem 101, if you're not going to be a research scientist, you will never use anything in Chem 101 again. If you learn linear algebra and multivariate calculus, unless you're doing forecasting and whatever else, you will never use that again. But if you take micro and macroeconomics in college, that will teach you how the stock market works, you know, supply and demand, why it is that trade over here is increasing while it's decreasing over there. That explains and opens your mind to the fact that this whole world is connected. And if we're connected now, imagine how we're connected we're going to be in the future, you know, in the metaverse where, you know, virtually I'll be zoomed into, you know, all these other things. So if you're going to go to college, you need to make sure you take classes on micro and macroeconomics, you know, and then you can other take other classes on business and, and whatever else just to, to learn how to be an entrepreneur. If you are creative, 
I think there's so many avenues today where you can, you know, learn how to do something with your smartphone and, and, and monetize it. The thing is, is that most of that is not really running a business. You know, it's a hustle. You know, it's, hey, I'm on TikTok and I got 50,000 followers or 100,000 followers or whatever because they watch me dance. You know, now, if you haven't figured out how to monetize people watching you dance and, and get people in the music industry or people who want to sell clothes to the people that are following you, then all you're doing is, you know, I used to say this in a training class, likes don't equal money. Mm. So just because somebody likes you, you know what? You can get a lot of likes by being naked and a pretty girl, you know, so I can shake my booty on. I can't because I ain't got a booty attractive. But if there's a young girl, you know, you can, you know, and they get all the likes in the world. There's tons of other young girls that are also getting all those likes in the world. That does not mean that they're the next Nicki Minaj. They're not getting paid for those likes. You know, don't fool yourself into thinking that because you're insta famous that you're actually famous. I always tell kids, don't be afraid to go to school. Just make sure that you're intentional about what you're doing. Because if you're going to school for the sake of going to school, you're just wasting your money. But if you have a plan, if you know what it is, why it is you're taking the classes, if you want to go to pre-med and you actually want to be a doctor and know that you've got to go to school, then med school, then residency, and you're ready to spend 12 years and however many hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to that point, then go for it because you have a plan. But if you're just going to college because someone says go to college, take a pause and say, what am I going to get out of it? You know, and, and make sure that you think through each. The college experience is a great one. It opens and expands your mind. But at some point in your college career, say, how is this going to help me do what I want to do? If you want to be an entrepreneur, then make sure you take classes about entrepreneur, you know, ship while you're in college and not classes that are wasting your time and don't teach you about how to start a business. But don't be a fool and think that, you know, you can just not learn anything and start a business with nothing. Yes, there are some people who get lucky, who happen to, you know, catch, you know, lightning in a bottle, but that's like the 1% of the 1% that you hear about. The rest of them are the people that tried it and just crashed and burned and now they're living in their mom's garage. <laughs> you don't hear about those folks. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, that, those are some definitely great points right there uh, that you just made for us, uh, Dale. Thank you for that. I wanted to get into, you know, a quick little activity here before we close out. Uh, call what's your favorite identifying a few of your favorite things um you know we're talking about black facts so what are some of your favorite black facts that have challenged you to to be better i don't know if i have a favorite black facts but there are um two figures in black history that have impacted me greatly Marcus Garvey, maybe because he was also Jamaican. Jamaican national and, hero. You know, and W.E.B. Du Bois. And, you know, even the other day, Ken and I were on a call. We were learning more about Du Bois than I even knew. Some of the things that he, he was talking about the metaverse before there was a metaverse, before there was even technology like this, you know. Hmm. And I had no idea. And, and he is someone that I am inspired by. And Ken knows that Ken has always said that Black Facts is the 
realization of W.E.B. Du Bois's vision of Encyclopedia Africana, mm. where we tell our stories, you know, and are in control of our narrative. But W.E. Du Bois was so forward thinking and the things that he talked about are relevant even today. And Marcus Garvey was just so empowering, you know, and so much belief in us. I, I was participated in a, um, in a seminar that talked about the differences between different island people. And one of the things they said is that, you know, I don't know if it's Garvey's fault or not, but if you are from the islands and you are from Jamaica, you are the proudest of proud people. There's mm. no Jamaican that doesn't say, yeah, man, I'm Jamaican and I'm proud of who I am. Yeah. You know, whereas, you know, he, the guy who was speaking is like, you know, I'm from St. Thomas and we don't really broadcast, you know, <laughs> yes, I'm from, you know, but Jamaicans go out of their way to tell you they're Jamaican and why it is. And they are mm -hmm. dirt poor walking around with no shoes on. Don't matter. You know, they are proud of who they are. And Marcus Garvey has always instilled that, you know, that feeling of it doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor. If you appreciate and respect your culture and your heritage, you should be proud of it. You should stand up for it. And, you know, and um, so those were two people that inspired me you know when it comes to black facts and we have videos on both of them because i know i'd want to make sure they were included <laughs> we'll add others that we may have missed but we definitely those are two people that to answer your got question it. got it got it uh what about you ken do you have anybody that that you look on um well like this yeah well um um i would certainly have to put brother garvey in in there because but, but I, I i won't I'll, I'll leave those comments you know as the garby one so i can have two others <laughs> you know no 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 because i mean he's you know if you think about inspirational and just powerful i'm very much into owning acknowledging owning embracing and using our power and you know when you think of powerful black quotes like up you mighty race you can accomplish what you will there aren't too many of those that you mm -hmm. can think of you know of, of people who just speak from the perspective of power that is the perspective that we come from with our technology you know everything that we do everything our interactions are come from us being the masters of all we survey we think of ideas and we create them you know, you know, a future project we didn't mention called Black Facts Say Their Names started from a conversation I had on the street with my cousin about wanting to have a, a, a place where he could see the histories of black folks who've been killed by racial violence so that he could more easily debate right wingers who, you know, think, oh, he brought it on himself, you know, so, you know, have the conversation and, you know, it, it's it hasn't been released because there's still multimedia capabilities that we haven't finished yet. But, you know, we think things up and we make them so. Mm. That is our relationship with technology, right? And so, you know, so I resonate with people like that. So the two people that I will bring up would be Muhammad Ali because he spoke his truth 
you know, he was another one of those like me or hate me. I do not care. I'm going to do what I believe is right. And I'm going to do what I believe is right, even if I have to pay the price for it. You know, um, and the other person, you know, would be someone who I always called my creative muse, who, who was Prince. He lived life on his rules. He did it his way. He was completely 100% and uncompromisingly himself. And he's one of the very few people who basic, who simultaneously did not water himself down or change for anyone and also achieved significant material comfort, wealth, et cetera. Very few, you, for most people, it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, you either, you know, you know, make a point or you make a good living. You know, that's usually the way it works. He's one of the very few who did both and did it without, you know, compromising who he wanted to be. Those, that sort of power, that sort of self-confidence in who you are and what you're going to do is something that I feel is so lacking in black communities and one of those if i was a genie you know could wave my wand and give black folks one thing it would be the self-confidence to to have the gumption i'm trying to use a non-gender-based reference (laughs) 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 so i felt gumption to be yourself to have the boldness to do your own thing and, you know, and to have the Ali's commitment to do what you felt was right. Mm-hmm. So there, those are the those are the kind of people who I get inspiration from and who I endeavor to walk in their in their in their shoes. Well, I'll say for Ali, I ain't trying to walk in Prince's shoes. <laughs> I can't walk in high heels. All right. Um, your favorite black invention, favorite black invention. The light bulb. Can we get a credit for it? It's a sand. Light bulb. I'm sorry. What did you say? Favorite, favorite black, black invention. Invention. I said I said the light bulb, <laughs> um, but we don't get credit for that. Here, here's one that'll be a surprise to some, but look it up. I will say dot coms. Ah. I didn't even know that. Uh, brother named Emmett McHenry, founder exactly. of Network Solutions. You know what? That First is so hard point. .coms. We're, wow. we're, we're actually hoping to have him on our, we have a weekly um, live show we call Black Tech Talk Live. Um, a good friend of mine is very close to him, and um, um, you know we're going to try to get him on our show one Friday. But yes, Emmett McHenry, look him up. You exactly. know, black back when black people controlled the internet. Yes, right. before mm-hmm. all you young bloods who don't know, we were the ones who controlled the entire internet at one point. Right, right. And then they found a way to take it from us <laughs> on the cheap. <laughs> man, that is that is. I got to look him up myself. Maybe we'll try to get him on the program. Man, uh, interesting, interesting. All right. Uh, so as as we wrap up and everything, and we look towards the future and legacy, um, what what 30, 40, 50 years from now, do you guys want people to know and understand about Black Facts, the legacy you guys are trying to build and the work that you've done uh, with everything right now? 
Well, I'm hoping that 30 years from now, you know, that there's some young folks that are running black packs and that we are in the metaverse and, you know, continuing to expand our message, but we can, we become a focal point for everything black, not just for black history, but for, you know, black businesses, for black learning, because we need to control our own. And so 30 years from now, I'm hoping that we'll be well on our way to controlling our own destinies, which doesn't mean that we're exclusionary. We're just saying we want to have our own space out there. But we're not always dependent upon somebody else. It is, there it is. And, and, I, and I, I will see that and raise, raise Dale, you know, a blackpeople.com because that is a domain that we've had since 96. And back in 99, actually, have a 35-page business plan for launching blackpeople.com as a social and professional networking system. Um, I'd like to say we were just too far ahead of the curve for folks to know what we were talking about. But mm. you know, once we get black facts um, humming along and growing into growth mode, you know, going to be revisiting blackpeople.com, hopefully finding some younger folks who can be the, the faces and you know um of it etc cetera, etc cetera, and they can build it into whatever the web3 metaverse and well web4 or whatever needs it to be i don't know what it's going to look like nobody does what's going to be on there we don't know but as long as it is black owned and growing then we will have done our job there it is. There it is. Man, guys, it's been such a pleasure having you on the program. Thank you so much for all the information. I learned so many new black facts that I didn't know before. Um, if you guys could do us one last favor and leave us with, uh, you know, your favorite quote and what it means to you. And then maybe on top of that, where people can find you that want to look, you know, for you for more information, or maybe if you have some folks that want to donate or help out to the, with, you know, with the cause and everything. Where they can find you, and on top of that, the uh, your favorite quote and what it means to you. So um, I'm gonna jump off really quick, but um, my favorite quote is Marcus Garvey. You know, um, a people without knowledge of their history is like a tree without its roots, um, because that really talks about what we're all about. Um, I, you know, if you want to know more about Black Facts, then go to blackfacts.com. There's a area for you to sign up for the newsletter um there's a button in the upper right hand corner where you can click to donate if you want to contribute to help us continue to fund and build on all these projects that we're working on um you know but if you sign up for the newsletter you'll get you know news and announcements about new things we <laughs> we would like to say we send out our newsletter regularly but we don't we're too busy you know but periodically we say oh by the way let's get you caught up <laughs> on things that are happening and here's what's coming up next um so um, I'm still supposed to be doing one about our crowdfunding campaign, and that was like a month ago, but, you know, just been swamped. Please feel free to sign up and reach out to us. Um, there is a standard mailbox of outreach at blackfacts.com if you just want to send us messages. But if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll that's your one pipeline into knowing what's going on with us now and in the future. There yeah, and I think it's... You know, my, my favorite quote right now, I'm just going to use one of mine, <laughs> which is, when you know that you stand on the shoulders of giants, it is easier to see yourself from a higher place. So at Black Facts, you know, we are not 
world star. We don't do that. We show the achievements and the magnificence of black people, what we've done in the past, what we're doing today, and we're gonna keep what we do and if you'll be inspired, you will see who you really are. There it is, man. Guys, again, thank you so much for coming through with the information and the facts. Uh, guys, listeners, definitely check out blackfacts.com every day. There's a new fact every day. And there's so much information that, you know, something that I think we all should be checking regularly and finding out, you know, fact checking things and looking at different things and um, finding out things beyond Black History Month. Definitely. Um, so listeners, definitely share blackfacts.com. Uh, get information for yourself. And of course, remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind.